Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Together today is Christopher Brooks together with me. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hi, Greg. I'm very well. Thank you. It's great to be back and talking to you once more. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to have you back on the CX Goalkeeper roughly one year later, one and a half year later. And we are going to discuss about a similar topic, the customer experience war games. Now it's three years in that you are doing that, organizing that. And I'm really thrilled to understand what happened in the past and what is happening in the future. Great. However, first of all, we would like to learn a bit more about you. Therefore, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Christopher Brooks. I'm a practicing customer experience consultant working globally these days. I've been around in customer experience for, well, before I realized I was in it, I was in it. And then I've kind of developed my skills and capabilities since. I run a practice at 10 consultants and, and we're helping organizations who want to achieve better outcomes for, for their customers, which is great fun and also quite rewarding. Thank you very much, Chris. And the question that I really enjoy asking is, which values drive you in life? Well, I, I think it's, for me, it's contribution. I, I think you quite often find people in customer experience either come with a, a care and societal focus or a service focused. And I'm definitely kind of, you know, in, in the service space. So for me, we have a, internally, we have a, a line which is beyond business. It's not, that's not what we're here to do. We're trying to go beyond and trying to improve other people's lives. So I love to be able to do that. Personally, it means if I've just been away with my friends for the weekend, I'm really happy to organize everything for them so they have an easier time. I love it when they say, wow, this worked out really well. And it feels like it was really easy for me to do. So I like to be in that position of helping other people. It's really important, I think. And I think this is really linked also together, together with the customer experience world games, serving other people, helping other people's, not only charities that perhaps we helped during the past or that you helped during the past with the customer experience world game, but also customer experience professional, having the opportunity to join, work together in teams and working on these fantastic challenges. But as, due to the fact that you are here, I asked the question <laughs> to you. I don't need to explain everything. Where does the idea of the customer experience world game come from? Well, it came from a moment during the pandemic where some of the conversations I was having with colleagues, I think people reached out to other people to say, how are you doing? What's life looking like for you? And it wasn't just what they were saying, it was how they were saying it that started to worry me. Now, I'm not a trained carer in any shape or form, so I could I could be a pair of ears, but I can't give advice in that respect because it's a very incorrect perspective to, you know, from my perspective. But I did start to think to myself that the thing that we love doing is solving problems for clients. So perhaps we should create some pseudo customer experience moments and have some fun solving them. You know, and at the same time, if you remember, we were all diving onto Zoom to do family quizzes. So that kind of, you know, it was that sort of, oh, let's have a bit of fun here, do something slightly differently. And then I started to set that up and I spoke to medical Heidi Stone. And we were chatting about doing this. And it just kind of came about that why don't we see if we can do it for other people rather than just do it for fun for ourselves? And that was the nugget. 
that was in well, actually you're right because you know, customer experience is about creating better outcomes i then was at an event just before lockdown where a chap called jamie mcdonald was appearing jamie mcdonald is recognized in the uk as an incredible fundraiser and he what he does is rather than he does go out and raise lots of money but the money he gets he gives to families to help them raise money for their they're the reasons they need to raise money. So he coaches people to become better at fundraising because when they have that emotional connection, they have real impetus to do it. But at the same time, it's really rewarding for them because rather than saying, I had to get someone else to give some money to help maybe a child that wasn't well that they have, they actually say, I did that. So they have that really deep connection. And I loved his philosophy. The It's just an incredible individual. I'd seen him speak. He was brilliant. Like a cup pack. I run a cup pack and he been really good for the cup pack. So I contacted him and said, we're thinking about doing this. Have you got any ideas in terms of the people you work with or you, could we help you? And he came back and went, boy, we need this. He said, you know, he said, I'm, 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 I was recognized as England's best fundraiser and I'm stuck. I don't know how to help people during COVID. So then it cemented the idea. So we spoke to Jamie and said, is there a challenge? And there was a challenge. Remember, Greg, you were there from the start. I mean, you, you put your hand up, probably one of the first put your hand up, and I'm going to be eternally grateful for that. But we had a challenge for Dylan. Remember Dylan? Who yes. sadly has passed, sadly has passed since. But at the time, it was about trying to help fund, raise funds for Dylan, who had an event planned that got cancelled, and he needed the money to, in order to kind of accelerate some of the uh, treatments he was having. So all of a sudden you realize, well, yeah, what we can do is we can actually improve the experience of fundraising for beneficiaries, for the volunteers, for anyone involved in that space. And obviously people in that space don't go into it with a pedigree understanding of how to deliver great customer experience. But in some of the more functional areas like, you know, raising funds or going back to donors to let them know what's happened with the money that's been raised – they just wouldn't know what to do or how to do that, unless it was by luck or by chance. So we realized, yes, we have an opportunity to help others here. And it was when we reached out to the community and people like yourselves and others put their hands up and said, this sounds interesting. We then had this ambition to say, well, why don't we make it a bit more fun, add a bit of, you know, a bit of grandeur to it and see if we can get more people involved. Because the one thing that you you know, I know, is that, Geography is irrelevant when it comes to having a good intention and ambition with customer experience. Yes, every many countries have cultural differences, which mean you have to be respectful when delivering customer experience because it will work in different ways. But actually, we all have good ideas. So by getting people to put their hands up, we realized very quickly there was a community of people out there who wanted to help. And, and I would say that's it's not 100% of our community. Some people are in the community for other reasons, but a lot of really good people want to create better outcomes for others. So they came together and we had, I think it was three different challenges from three different parts of the world. We had a number of teams created. We had some high caliber judges, some professors and other things, editors who said, we'll, we'll help out. And we, we almost created a bit of a structure on the fly, as it were, but we had people participating and one of the things that we didn't do, which I'm so grateful we didn't, was we kind of didn't set the terms by which you develop your ideas. And the reason that was really important was because we would now find that we have people coming together from different sectors 
with different levels of experience from different geographies, with different disciplines within CX. And now they could mash together and learn and develop and get to much better outcomes together than they could get to individually. And if we'd have put a framework in to say, this is how you have to do it, it wouldn't have worked. So I'm so grateful that we let that happen because it did mean that we now were in a position where people were learning as they were contributing, which we never really thought about. I'm not going to say we take any fame for that. We never thought this was going to be a learning and development model. It was an opportunity to keep people during COVID connected and do some good whilst we whilst we were at it. So that was the kernel of it. I think it's about March 2020. It kind of uh, we made a start on it. Thank you. And what you're saying, I can I can support everything what you're saying. And what I say as a participant and as a captain, I still have a lot of great connections. I am connected with people I didn't know before, but now we are connected. We are chatting. Can you help me? Oh, I found out this is special information. Do you want to have a look at it? And therefore, it's really a great collaboration and a great a great community. You said three three years in, which are the most important milestones of the customer experience war game? At least I participated to two or three. Yeah, yeah, one. You did one in, in the Latin America or several in Latin America. What are the what are the biggest milestones? So well I think probably the biggest mile I'll never forget that moment where we just reached out to the community and it was like shouting out, is anyone out there? And I don't know if you've ever seen the film I Spartacus with Kirk Douglas. You know, but, but the idea basically is you, the person who's responsible doesn't necessarily need to take the, the blame because the community come around him. And what we had was these hands popping up from all over the globe, kind of going, we want to be a part of it, we want to be a part of it. So that was a real milestone to know that the community recognised the importance of giving back was a, was one of the reasons an important reason you get into the industry that we're in. You're giving back. So that was really important. Another another milestone was probably when we did the second World Games. Because when we completed the first World Games, I don't know if you were, I think you were there, but Jonathan Daniels very sweetly pulled together a video of, do you remember that? Yes. Uh, so I was people, part of it. You were part of it. You are one of the contributors. And I was, you know, I, I don't mind admitting it. I was very emotional because I wasn't expecting this, but it was like, you know, a thank you to the games and obviously being a part of that. I was very grateful. But there was two or three people in there that told us, you know, if we were to take something conventional in customer experience like NPS, this would get a 10. And we were thinking we'd pulled it together a bit rough and ready. We we have no budget. We still have no budget. No money's ever been spent. No, no transactions ever been spent on it. So we're doing everything very low cost. And yet we were able to go out and do it a second time. You know, so, so that was a real milestone, a second time we actually delivered it. And by this time, we had really interesting people like uh, Nate Brown and Neil Top for the States kind of getting involved, and people like Jeannie Waters being judges. So we were, we were hitting a, a, a range of CX professionals who kind of, I'd call them kind of circuit professionals, you know, they're, they're on a circuit. That's what they do. And we had, we, we, we were starting through them to get to a wider community that we'd never reached before. So then another milestone came to us when we said, we accept, and gratefully, because apart from my, my French, my other language capability is quite limited. It's wrong that just because we speak English, that becomes the way in which the games have to work. 
and that we knew that when you go into an organization, yes, most of the CX professionals we work with do speak business English. But if you go back a couple of state steps and maybe you're talking to contact center operators or you're talking to analysts, they may not necessarily have English as a language they feel very comfortable certainly playing games in. So we we then went came together with a partner in South America and said, let's produce the Latin edition and it's run in Spanish. And if people want to play in English, they can play in English. So it was Brazilian and Portuguese and Spanish. It was it was running. And it worked really well. We found all of a sudden a new community opened up. And importantly, Greg, we were able then to focus on South American charities as well. And, you know, and some of those those charities just really close to, you know, not say close to my heart, it's the wrong thing to say, but really touched me because of the work that was being done. Organizations that were trying to identify young people as in sort of higher education level who were made refugees in their own country. So therefore, the opportunity of higher education was taken away from them. And this charity in, in Mexico was finding them in the world and bringing them to Mexico so they could continue their higher education. Just, you know, incredible. Another organization, for in Hong Kong, that would work on the basis that across the world, there were things like you know, Microsoft might have a thousand computers they no longer need. And there would be a school in in Thailand that would need a 500 computers. And they would negotiate with the haulage companies to then put these computers on the back of their ships and bring them over. So it's no cost for anyone rather than them just being kind of dumped and destroyed. Incredible charities we were coming across. So that was a, a really, really big milestone for us going for the language, making a language change, which is what we've got to this year as well. We, we, this year we decided not to run a world games. We wanted to really focus in on the language piece and just test how this was going to work. So we did another one in South America with a new partner. It just it was really important for us that the World Games is not something. Obviously, I'm from Lexton; it's my company, but the World Games is bigger than Lexton. So we wanted to make sure we could give the property to other people. So they could do it as well. A bit like the ambition really is the blue man group. You know how the blue man group, you, you kind of don't know who's inside it. It's just the blue man. It's, that's fine. So if we can do that with the world games, it means we can have lots of world games happening all the time. And it's not dependent on a limited resource to, to deliver it. So that was a one we finished there earlier this year. And and I'll come back to something really interesting happened there, Greg, and I'll come back to that. And we're just about to kick off a country-specific games in Poland. So we're going to do a World Games in Poland. And this is our attempt to see, can you go down to country level? Now, one consideration is, are there enough people in the country who want to take part? So we'll find out. We wanted to test that. And then at the start of next year, we're heading down to South Africa as well. That's incredible. And now we are already touching what's happening in the future, Poland and South Africa. Thinking about my background, the World Games are every four years. Perhaps <laughs> do you plan in in few years to run again World Games? Yeah, well, we I think we will. Twenty twenty four, we're definitely going to do another World Games, and I think we're going to do this cycle where we go World Games, and then the following year we do Country Games or Regional Games, and then we go back to doing doing a World Games again. And that would be, you know, if every year we could pick up a couple of countries. It means that in those country years, we could have six or seven games running. Now, every game has three charities. 
So that's that's our focus, is how many charities can we get customer experience to contribute towards? And I'll just go back to what I mentioned about LATAM. I was talking to Rodrigo Peria, who is a colleague of mine, and I could not do this without. He's just an amazing individual himself, incredible story of you know, progress. He's a lovely guy, and he's just so committed to the games. It's wonderful. He was telling me in South America, one of the teams, a bit like yourself saying your team still keep together, one of the teams has kept together and beyond the world games, they're going off and finding other charities they can help. So isn't that incredible? They're just, that's what I mean. They're bigger than the world games. So they found, I think one of them knew somebody who said, yes, I need some help. So going off to help another charity. This is something I never expected from the world games. I always said from the start, it's about what you put in, nothing else. One of the challenges I think we have in customer experience is that Many people forget that it has to be unconditional. So you have to think about creating a better outcome. Now, if you're working in an organization, you have to think about the business objectives as well as colleagues, as well as the community and customers, very importantly. When you're doing what we do, you don't. You leave your business card at the door, you dive in, and you make a contribution. But what happens is somehow in the round, you get this advantage come back to you. It balances out. So it could be like you mentioned yourself, if you have colleagues and contacts you've, you've you know met before. I know one of our contributors wanted to establish their organization in South Africa. That's happened because of contacts they made there. This idea that other charities can happen without us being involved is, is brilliant. And it's just, it's really important to us that there is a long-term benefit for everyone that's involved, especially because we recognize they are giving their time up. You know, that's precious. The most precious thing I think a lot of CX people have is their time and they contribute it. And it's not, you know, sometimes it's quite a bit of time as well because you really want to do well. It's the thing about CX professionals. Everyone has high standards <laughs> of what they want to achieve. No, I think what you are saying, it, it's extremely interesting because giving time, having same values, sharing the same values, having the same target, finding way to help each other. This sounds like a community as you created with customer experience working. And perhaps how do you see in future, in general, the role of communities? Well, I think I think uh, I think they've they've evolved a lot. I mean, I think about communities as being local communities. That's where I kind of my understanding of communities come. I spent a lot of time working for an organization called the Cooperative in, in the UK. And, you know, the idea of actually making a contribution to it and taking something out, it's a good kind of exchange. That's how a community works. I think we've probably got two different directions where communities are going. And one is a commercial community where almost as long as you understand the conditions for being a part of it, you'll pay some money in. And then in exchange, the organization calls itself a community will be able to run people will be able to you know take a wage from it and there should be enough left over to add some real values that's one type of community versus the other community which is the exchange is is a connection it could be exchanging expertise and insight but there's no commerce there's no commerce involved so i think that's kind of the different direction you've got going i recognize in 2023 making a community work where there isn't a transaction involved is very challenging very challenging. We're very fortunate. We've got over 750 members of the Customer Experience World Games. And, and when we run a games, we typically have between about 180 and 220 participants. Now, by the end of it, that 
goes down because people are busy doing things. But still, by the end, you've got probably 60, 70 people still actively playing and others that come back in and hear about it and what have you. And the only thing that pulls that community together is a desire to create better outcomes for other people. So I think if you put that at the heart of your community ambition, if you need to layer a, put a layer of transaction around it, then, but you're still delivering that, and you see some good communities in CX managing to achieve that, then that's okay. Thank you. And from your point of view, what are some effective strategies that you can use to maintain, nurture, engage, and vibrant communities? I think it's really important when you, if you think of a community almost like a club, when you come in through the door, you need to know the rules of the game. You need to know what's expected of you and what you can expect of the community. And I've been involved in some communities where that's not been communicated as effectively as it should do. So therefore, you come in thinking it's one thing and you get in, you know, and, and, and it's something very different. We're, we're both football fans. We're both football fans. You know, I'm a big, big West Ham fan. You know, you can imagine if you said, oh, yeah, this is a football club. Great. You come in and the walls are covered in West Ham wallpaper and everything is in claret and blue. You'd feel a bit shortchanged. This isn't, it is a football community, but it's not quite what I expected. So I think it should that's successful strategy is, is, is a clear communi- uh, communication strategy. I think also you have to be very careful within that community to make sure it doesn't feel like the connections or the communications have an intention to sell. We've got something coming up soon called the CX Day, which is, I think it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Yeah, it's, re- it's really important. It puts a puts kind of a bit of a peak on the year. You have some people saying, oh, CX is for the whole year. It's not just for a day. Now, what you don't want to see on that day are people selling stuff. Because all of a sudden, I brought you all together because I want to give you a discount on my training program. It, it doesn't work. I brought you all together because we're like-minded individuals who have a great respect for customer experience and for accelerating and progressing the values that are important in customer experience. So I think that idea of managing people's expectations, keeping connections, and also you have to work hard. It's like we've we've all got, I'm sure you have as well, Greg, friends that we love dearly that we just don't see enough. And I did see recently in the cost of living crisis, friendship has become something some people have had to marginalize because it's just too expensive. Or you meet up with friends and you realize you're a long way away from where they are. So not not geography, but in terms of survival. And you feel uncomfortable with it. So you have to work harder, the community, to keep people engaged and keep trying things. And, and it can't be, you know, you're in the community, make a contribution. It has to be, you have to inspire them to want to be a part of it. And you are, Chris, the one that inspired a lot of us starting working, playing for the customer experience war games. And therefore, we are really thankful for, for what you are doing. No, the... it's, it's, it, that I was one small spoke. I really was one small cog. It's when you look at it, if you look at all the people who have made a contribution, you'd have to work really hard to go, oh, there he is. Because so many people have made been a part of it now that it would be impossible to create a role of honor to say thank you because it's you know it is really about everyone else. But thank you, Craig. Anyway, sure. And for the records, we are recording on October second. Therefore, Christopher right. mentioned that tomorrow <laughs> it's a CX Day. When we are then launching this podcast, perhaps it's a bit later. But you know now that we record on October second. We are coming to the end of this game, but for the extra time, I still have a few questions for you. Sure. What key leadership lessons have you learned throughout your career? 
Okay, so you can't cheat in customer experience. You know, you you, you have to do your time. You have to learn. The, you have to be di- diverse in the areas you're in to be able to bring the whole piece together. I've also learned that you have to, you have to, and we're really bad at this in customer experience. You have to respect business happened before we arrived, and it could happen if we're not there. So you have to earn your place at the top table. You have to work out how you can make a contribution to all the people around you. Nobody wants to marginalize the voice of the customer. It's just really hard to keep the voice of the customer balanced with all the other priorities. So you have to be respectful of your colleagues and what they're trying to achieve is really, really important. And you honestly have to think about what you're contributing has real value. If if you were in a market where you're the only player in town, people will pay whatever price it is you're offering. Think we shouldn't be there as customer experience individuals saying, let's differentiate on customer experience. It might not be a comfortable market. Probably fewer of those markets exist than ever before, but you've got to be very careful. I think that's really important. I think also customer experience leadership means looking for those opportunities rather than just focusing on fixing those pain points. Really good example for me at the moment is supply chain disruption. There's a lot of organizations that are realizing that they can't rely on their supply chains and therefore they're looking to go direct or they're changing things. Customer experience should have predicted this and should be all over it because what's happening is you've got a really good example, Greg. I went to, I ordered some stuff off Amazon and it wasn't what I wanted and needed to take it back. 22 items, but it was like three boxes of pens. And then a few other things. And I took it back to the, the the shop. And whereas previously it might have been a carrier doing it, it's now it's now been pushed to lots of local little supermarkets and what have you. And I went and saw the, 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 the shopkeeper and said, I need to bring these back in. And we had 40 minutes where he had to take everything out, put them into 22 non-biodegradable bags for me, label them all up so they could go off. Now, you know, you can just look at that and just say, what what's happened there is the supply chain element in that in that experience isn't working as effectively as it should do. And this happens with supermarkets using things like Deliveroo. And what it does is it makes a massive impact on the core business. The customers coming in to buy their goods from the supermarket had to wait. I actually said to the shopkeeper, can I do it for you, please? This is uncomfortable. I've got to go, but it's uncomfortable for you and your customers. And it happens with supermarkets who are using Deliveroo and Uber Eats. Their customers are impacted by these other services. So I think that is a really key area that we probably as CX leaders need to think as an example. We have to be more proactive about what's coming rather than just to focus on what's in front of us. Thinking about the future. In 10 years from now, we are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. What we are discussing about? Well, I, I, I had a look actually 10 years ago, customer satisfaction levels were higher than they are today. You know, so I think we have to get, a, well, I think we're going to get a deeper appreciation of the expectation of customers because of the availability of data. At the moment, most organizations have quite a, a limited view of what really matters most to customers. They can look at it as transactional operational, but they can't connect what they do into the wider world the customer's in. 
Of course, they have the research and, and the like. Interestingly, in for vulnerable customers, it's becoming more mandated that data is shared so that you can actually see more of the picture, so that you don't arrange a plan with the, the customer who finds themselves in a situation they can't afford to pay for their electricity. You don't arrange a plan, and then the very next minute, the mobile phone company says, I demand all my money now. So I think what we're going to see is a greater availability of data, but with it, a much bigger expectation from customers in terms of delivering a service. I'm not a big, I've worked in direct marketing for many, many years. So I think the word personalization gets slightly misused. But actually, I have a unique relationship with my life and those brands in it, likewise. So therefore, that's what I'm looking to, to actually create. I'm not saying we're going to have a footprint for every organization. But that's going to be that's going to be important. I think the other thing that's going to be really important is as consumers become more and more conscious of their an organization's footprint on the planet, is that is starting to affect the choices we make. And I think my example there of Amazon highlights a gap. I've seen twenty two, you know, bags that won't be able to be biodegradable as part of my experience with Amazon. Now, that makes me feel really uncomfortable. What it does do in two two ways is going to make me as a consumer much more conscious about ordering and not returning. But also, I think you're going to have people go, that doesn't work for me. We need to think about how that could be better. So I think the the the, the carbon impact, getting to a social, you know, the social impact, leveling out to make sure they're zero is become more and more important. And we will stop to stop purchasing if that is a consequence, I believe that will become more important the word of customer experience. Thank you very much. I would have 200 questions on this topic, but I think I will invite you in the next few years and not in, in 10 <laughs> years from now to discuss about this topic. Because it's not only Amazon, it's also Temu, it's also Shein, Shine. Depends from the pronunciation, but we understand what we are speaking about. However, what's the best way to contact you? I'm available on LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn profile. You can normally see the World Games logo there, so you'll, you'll recognize it's me. Contact me on my email, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it's Christopher Brooks at lexingroup.com. Thank you very much. And now we are coming to the last question. Is Christopher's golden nugget? It's something that we discussed on something new to leave to the audience. Yeah, well, I think it probably is the narrative that's been running through what we've been talking about today. I have to say I'm more of a practitioner than a philosopher. So so the wordsmithing of it won't probably be perfect, but, but I'll have a go anyway. And that is that you have to be very careful or conscious of where you set your compass to. Because the greater the impact your endeavors can have on society, the more successful you are as a customer experience practitioner. And by that, I mean, if you look very short term ahead and you're looking you know, in a very narrow cast way at, oh, this is what I can get out of it, you leave no impression at all. If you can take a step away from that and think, how much of an impact can I have for society? Then you're, you're full of richness because you've created a wonderful thing there by improving the lives of many people and maybe only a small way but that may have been the difference between a good day and a bad day for an individual or more an organization or a society or a group so it really is about just be conscious of where you set your compass and be comfortable that that's 
how much of an impact you're going to make. Because I think it really is something we don't think about often enough. We can do a lot more in customer experience if only we take a step back and think about the social impact we can achieve. The only thing that I can say is thank you very much, Chris, not only for this discussion, but also for what you are doing for the community, for the CX community with the customer experience world games, but also positively impacting people's life. That's the first time that's an episode is getting a bit emotional speaking about Dylan at the beginning now you spoke about also the, the the refugees going to Mexico and remembering also the other charities that we had the big opportunity to help taking the last picture of a family and all these different and different initiatives we worked on thank you very much for everything you did Chris Chris please stay with me to the audience I hope that you enjoyed this discussion as much as much as I did Thank you very much and see you in the next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human environment. Thank you.